Hello, and welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different cities, are at three different life stages, and have three different perspectives. They are excited to learn and grow alongside of you. This is a space full of love and acceptance, no judgment, because let's face it, we all sleep in our makeup. Please welcome Lauren, Megan, and Kristen. Hey, sisters. Hey. Hey. So today we have a special guest and her name is Katie Cummins and Katie comes from a modest background and being the youngest of four girls, she learned very quickly how to turn trash into treasure. She discovered garage sales, flea markets, and thrift stores were full of priceless pieces that would make any room tell a story and feel unique. And so she took this early knowledge and refined it with a bachelor's degree in interior design and became a registered interior designer with the Texas Board of Architectural Examiners. That accompanied with 13 years of industry experience in commercial, corporate, retail, and residential design has molded her into the designer she is today. And Katie's style can be described as functional, sophisticated, layered, and unique. And she likes to mix new pieces with one-of-a-kind found objects. And her goal is for a space to feel beautiful but also lived in. She firmly believes believes that one's mood is directly affected by their surroundings. And I so relate to that. (laughs) This philosophy, along with her passion for interiors, is why Katie created Interior Girl. And she wants to inspire readers and clients to create a space that makes them feel their best and that is uniquely their own. So welcome, Katie. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we have actually gotten lots of requests to have an interior designer on our podcast. So we're so excited to have you um, to share all of your just knowledge and experience with everybody. And I hope that I'm sure that by the end of this, we'll take away some great tips and tricks. But if you will, let's start off and just give our listeners a little bit more on your background in the business world and um, how you got to the space that you're in today. Okay. Oh, goodness. So I guess, honestly, it started from childhood. I I feel like I was born to be a designer or a creative of some kind, just because growing up, I've always, I was always very aware of my surroundings and the way they looked or the way they made me feel, whether it be like the room I was in or even, you know, something I was wearing, like, if you know, did this work well together? How does it make me feel? Do I feel confident in it? Do I feel relaxed in this room? It's, it's, interesting at such a young age. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that is exactly what I was doing. And then my parents were so wonderful. They would always just let me express myself and, you know, redesign my bedroom so many times or paint it myself and pick out the colors and pick out the bedding, you know, (laughs) over and over again. So I've, I've been doing this from a very young age. My dad basically built our childhood home himself. So I was around that watching him do that. All the while, not realizing like the knowledge that I was gaining and that that was even some kind of a career path. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know interior design was a career path. So fast forward to my college years and I started just taking basics. I had, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so it came time where I was, (laughs) was running out of basics and I needed to pick a path. So I honestly, I just picked... I picked marketing at first because I, I couldn't figure it out. 
And um, I was like, okay, I'll do marketing. And then I think there was like an accounting class or something. And I was like, nope, this isn't for me. <laughs> and I, which now I kind of wish I would have stuck that accounting class out yeah. being that I own my own business, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so at that point I was like, okay, I, I have to pick something. I was, it was my third year in college and I still was just not sure. I was just taking classes. So I, I think I was watching like HGTV and Lauren, Kristen, you might be too young for this, but Lauren, uh, trading spaces and design on a dime were really big at the time. And I I watched them all the time. And my mom was like, you know, like there, you could go to school for that. There, there's a career for design. And I, I was like, what? And so I did, that's what I did. I, I went to my counselor and I talked to her about like the career path. And she told me like, okay, you need to you need to go to a school that's accredited in this and you can get a degree, you can get licensed and there is definitely a career path. So, and so before I actually did that, I, I can't remember getting my phone book out and calling some local interior designers and just asking them like what a day in the life was like for them. Cause I wanted to make sure like, that's what I wanted to do. And it's, I don't know what, I, yeah. And um, so it was interesting, like, some of them didn't, were too busy, you know, and some, one I remember very vividly said, you know, it's, it's a hard job. She was like, you're going to be schlepping materials. You need a big car. You're, you're going to be like carrying heavy things. You're, it's, you just have to make sure that you're in it because you love it because it's, it's hard work. It's not as glamorous as it seems. And I was like, Oh goodness. But, um, but you know, it, it didn't scare me away and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I went to college for it and I absolutely fell in love with it during college and knew I was on the right path and graduated with the degree. And then I moved to Dallas because my roommate at the time, that's just where she was from. And I was like, oh, I'll try Dallas. Mm-hmm. So we moved there together and I actually got my first job out of design school working for a company that designed carpet for private jets. But I was like, I'll take it, whatever. And um, yeah, it was, it was, I didn't last very long, probably a month. And I soon realized that was definitely not the design path I was going down. Um, And then I ended up getting a job at an architectural firm and worked there for oh my goodness, six, seven years doing commercial work. Uh-huh. And then after, so I would do like a lot of like corporate offices and um, mainly corporate offices, some industrial work, which isn't very glamorous, but I learned so much in those six years just about like the architectural side yeah. of things and like the codes and a lot of the guidelines that you have to follow in the commercial world. So I, I feel like that was a huge stepping stone and uh, learning point in my career. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of got the seven-year itch, and I wanted something different. So I um, started looking, and I decided to go work for a local corporate retailer here in the DFW area, and designed all. Uh, I work on the design team, designing all the new stores and renovations that they have. Wow! All the while having a passion for residential design too. So. I would say that the the retail job, which I still have, is my day job. But then I, on the side, always was doing work for like friends and family, like just side residential projects or even at my house. And 
I was getting really busy doing it. And I was like, you know, I, sh- I could make a little extra money on the side. So I started charging people for it. Mm-hmm. And, but I just decided, you know what, let's register, I'm going to register my business and um, st- actually start making money. And I did. And here I am. Like it's been, I've been busier than ever. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I'm, I'm so like fulfilled helping people redo their homes and make their space like, like you said, like their surroundings, like your mood is directly affected by your surroundings. So the fact that I play a small part in helping people live beautifully, it's just really fulfills me. That's so great. Whenever you said you were working for the architectural firm Mm -hmm. and then even now in the, in the retail space, Mm -hmm. what things have you pulled from both of those that kind of you're able to use on the residential interior girl side, if anything? Oh, wow. So, oh my goodness. That's a tough one. But I would say, I wouldn't say I've pulled anything that I can use on the interior to girl side, but I can tell you a big difference in the two. Okay. I would, I mean, I've pulled a few things, but I will say that what I've learned in the corporate and retail world versus the residential world Mm -hmm. is that the residential world is extremely emotional. All the decisions are emotional decisions because it's where you live. Mm-hmm. It's where you bring your families home to. And the commercial world, your the client is more detached because it's not necessarily their personal space. Right. So learning to transition from corporate and retail where there's not emotional decisions being made and going into this residential realm where you have to please almost counseling in a way for a husband and a wife, because rarely are they on the same page. You have to learn how to navigate the design to please both of them. It's challenging, but it's also extremely rewarding whenever it comes to full life and you're able to give them the space that they both envision. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's that's really good. And I think both Kristen and I are in the real estate world, just in general, not specific to design, but Kristen Mm -hmm. can attest to this. She's on the, (laughs) she's on the residential side and I'm more on the commercial side. And so I think that what you said definitely goes for just real estate in general with the emotions being much higher on the residential side. And so for my personality, I prefer the, (laughs) I prefer the (laughs) commercial side because I've, I don't feel like I'm good at navigating the emotions, but I think whenever, <laughs> whenever it comes to working with families and let's say that it's a couple and they're the, both partners are involved in the process. Have you found any tips to kind of navigate how to work? I can only imagine that if two are kind of heavily involved, kind of mm-hmm. navigating that relationship and being able to make both of them happy. And I asked this question because I remember a lady that I used to work with in commercial, she did residential on the side. And after Chris and I got married, she, as our wedding gift came and helped us kind of set up our little town home that we had bought. And she Aww. said, she was so cute. And she said, now Lauren, let me just tell you, okay, whenever it comes to men, uh, we just have to make everything appear that it was their idea. And that's, hundred, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that is it right there. That's the key to success. It's You don't have to please the wife. You have to please the husband and you have to make it seem like he's getting what he originally 
wanted. Yes. Yeah. Which is so, it's so funny. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. So <laughs> she was spot on it. Sounds yes. like. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was curious. So like if, you know, I was a client coming to you, mm-hmm. what, could you kind of take us through like the process? Like, do you go and discuss like the budget, the timeline, like what all does yeah. that entail? Yeah. So I typically will do a consultation first to make sure that we're a good fit. And it's a free consultation just to see like, do I have the time on, you know, in my schedule that's going to work with your timeline? And can I you know, help you achieve the goals that you want to achieve? Do we have the same aesthetic? Do do I just think that we're going to have a good working relationship? I think that's really important to make sure that you're going to work well together. So that first, just an initial meeting to assess like the needs of the client. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's an interview for the client interviewing me as well. Like we're just interviewing each other to make sure we're going to work well together. And I've never had an instance where we weren't wouldn't work well together, but I have other peers that have and have turned down work because they're like, I just didn't, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel right. Right. So that's an important, the consultation. And then after the consultation, I'll usually send them like a a questionnaire just to kind of fill out, to give me a little more information. And then I ask them to go on Pinterest and create a board for me. And with so many ideas of, you know, inspiration of what they're trying to achieve in the space. And, um, then after that, we have like initial meet, another meeting, a formal meeting, once the contract is signed to kind of start the process of how we're going to move forward and the timeline. And that's, that's basically it. So we'll, we'll start with that initial meeting. And then after that, I'll go back. I'll do, it takes me, you know, maybe eight weeks to come up with a design plan, present yeah. the, de- I'll present the design plan to them. And if, you know, all the boxes are checked and marked and we're good, then we start orders and then we install. Got it. Do you, so I don't know if you can answer this or not, but do you like typically charge like a flat fee or is it like a percentage of the entire project or how does that work? That's funny that you asked that because I'm trying to figure out, I'm still learning. So I'm trying to figure out the best way for me, but I've done both. So I've done hourly, I've done flat fee, like for e-design, which is basically a e-design board I'll create for a client. It's the more economical version. And it is a list of, I'll create a design board. I'll create a shopping list with all the items that are on the design board and a space plan. And the client does all of the shopping. So they'll go click the links on the shopping list and purchase everything and install it themselves. That's a flat fee. Got it. And then I have played around with flat fees for clients for full service until I, f- I find that it's, it makes the client feel more comfortable knowing that they only have this certain amount, but also there be, tends to be some kind of scope creep sometimes. So it's hard to like keep that from getting too out of control and my lose, losing money myself. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Yes, it does. So I'm trying to figure out what the best method is for me. I know most designers do an hourly fee. Some have started the flat fee, which is, you know, a little controversial in the design world, but I <laughs> really want to figure, I want to make, figure out a way to make it work. So that is my challenge for myself is I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I would imagine it's just kind of a work in progress and mm-hmm. and learn as you go type of thing. I actually 
currently work for an architecture firm here. And in that still, I mean, the owner, they've been in business for many, many years, and it's still a topic of conversation of, okay, what's the best way to approach? Like, let's re-strategize our pricing structure mm-hmm. and all of that because people change and people's needs change and all of that. So right, exactly. I can, I can relate there. I feel like, so what advice do you have just around budget and timelines? Because yeah. I know it take me, for instance, when we moved into our new house, when we moved back from overseas, I knew I was going to be working from home and I am very sensitive to, to my surroundings mm-hmm. and I wanted just a really nice office for myself. And so I actually did the whole Wayfair thing in the e-commerce, kind of what you touched on where uh-huh. it was a flat fee and I paid somebody to kind of put together a room after we had one console and with all the links of where to buy mm-hmm. it. And then I did everything myself And it was an okay experience. I would say it was pretty minimal. But the first question always seems to be, what's your budget? And for me as the client, that was really hard because I was starting with an empty room. So I needed everything, you know, the the desk, the chair, the file cabinet, the decor. And so I hadn't really done a lot of searching and looking. So how, if you, if you approached a client like me, who's like, I I'm not really sure what my budget is. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. How would you guide me or somebody like me to kind of so that we start off with a clear picture and where our expectations are in line? So I would definitely say that most people don't have a clear understanding of what it takes to furnish an entire room. And by furnish, I mean all the furniture, accessories, art, lighting. Most people are shocked when they see that number because they don't ever do a room all at once. They usually collect it over time. So they don't really know how much they're spending per room, if that makes sense. So a good rule of thumb is to tell the client, you know, go to a a higher end retailer. I wouldn't say like a Wayfair. I would, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just a higher end retailer, like maybe a West Elm or crate and barrel or somebody like that and put everything in a cart, you know, that you would put in your room. And that's going to be about how much you're going to spend. And it's, you know, don't sugarcoat it. Like I always shoot higher than I think, because it's better to, you know, over, you know, like under promise and over deliver. So I always like tell them like, it's, you know, expect to spend $15,000 to furnish your home office, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's how much it's going to cost. And that's honestly on the low end. It just depends. But I think that you really need to set those expectations in the beginning because I've had so many clients, you know, we get, we start the process and they're like, okay, I only want to spend $2,000. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, but you, we're going to furnish the entire room. And you do realize I'm not, I don't work miracles. And I, I want people to understand that. Like I'm going to, lead you in the best direction and definitely try and find you the most, the best deals for the best quality. But I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a magician either. So. Right. Yeah. And I know from just that experience that I shared, I was obvious. So I was right there. What you're saying, most people are, cause I kind of had a number in mind, but then I was saying, but I really do want a desk and a stuff that's going to last basically my lifetime now. So right. no more Ikea. Right. <laughs> Ikea yep. stuff. And so my wants, and I've, I noticed this happens a lot too, just in custom home building, but it's like, sometimes your budget and then 
your idea for what you want are way off. So I, I think that's really good advice that you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was curious, are there stores like that you don't like, you're like, you know, I would love to work with you, but I don't shop at Target or like, is there, do you no. only shop at specific Mm-mm. places or is it kind of just everywhere? I don't discriminate on shopping. It just depends on, honestly, like what is available for the price and the quality and what we're looking for. I will shop retail. I will shop flea markets. I shop at the trade center at trade only um, showrooms, you know, that only designers can purchase from. I would say that most of my spaces are a combination of high low. I would say I shop at more trade only showrooms for quality pieces, such as a sofa or a chair or a bed, something that we want to be comfortable and last a long time. Before accessories, I target flea market, uh, Walmart, anything, honestly, Wayfair. I am open to anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you have any secrets that you could share with us of maybe, I don't know, like a big item that is in everybody's house, whether it's rugs or... Mm-hmm a sofa or something. Do you have any secrets out there of maybe a go-to place or um, a material that you definitely want to always go with or something like that? Do you have any secrets like that that you could maybe share with us? Well, I wouldn't say uh, it's a secret, but I would <laughs> I would always recommend a performance fabric on any sofa or chair that you're going to sit in because it, it'll just give you that peace of mind and last so much longer. You can spill wine and and coffee and the kids can color on it with permanent marker and it's going to come up and it's going to be worth your investment. What is, what is a a performance fabric? So a performance fabric would be companies like perennials or sunbrella. Like they, they, they're fabrics that literally are indestructible and you want to look for those. Most retailers will um, offer a performance fabric, but I would definitely always pick the performance fabric, especially in a home that has children or pets. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's worth, I know that it's, it will increase the cost, but in the long run, it's going to save you money. Yeah. So definitely do the performance fabric. Um, as far as goodness, like rugs, I would, I love a vintage rug. So it's hard to like tell you my go-to because I just, I, I like to source unique vintage rugs, but I also really like, uh, rugs USA for rugs. I feel like they have good rugs for great prices for someone that's on a budget. I always turn to them for like budget friendly rugs. Cool. Yeah. What's your biggest like go-to like when you have a project? Is there like one store that you're just like you go to every time or your biggest, you know, biggest place to shop at? Well, I would say for uh, like an e-designer, like if I'm doing retail only, I really like, um, I do love Target, but for accessories. And then I like, I like the West Elms and the Crate and Barrel and the Pottery Barn and the Ballard. I like all of, I use those a lot for my e-design for retail clients. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. You know, my favorite store lately, and I don't know if you've ever shopped there, but I found like the best stuff is World Market. I do love World Market too. Yes, they have some good stuff. They have surprisingly they have some good art. They have some good chairs. They have a really good chair right now that I have an eye, my eye on. That's just a good classic skirted white tailored chair that is such a good price point. I think would be good in anyone's home office or a living room. Mm-hmm. I do like World Market. And you know another place I really like that I it's it's a go to for a lot of my e design clients is Minted. 
Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. For well, art. For cards. Oh, well, okay. for art. No, I love them for art because Wait, um Katie, I'll have to send you text you a picture after this. So I in my office, that is where I got my favorite art piece of art and I had them frame it as well. And I have to say it was I was really impressed with the quality. Yeah, it's great quality and um, the price point is really good. And I like that there's so many different sizes and frame options to choose from. Yes. And I mean, this isn't any kind of a plug. I just really do like them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also wanted to ask, like as a designer, like how do you stay like ahead or even up with like the trends? Because I feel like they can change and, you know, all of that. I, so I feel like going to markets is very important. So every year, like the Dallas market has quarterly, they'll have a, a big market where they show all their current trends. And so staying on top of things like that, going to markets to see like the latest and greatest in furniture and art is important. Staying on top of like social media and Instagram and just understanding what people are pinning on Pinterest and getting to understand like what what's most popular right now, but also like, so that's staying on top of trends. So I would say markets mainly for trends and just staying, you know, on top of like the social media and the Pinterest to see what people are into, but also not to get too caught up in trends because there's a reason why they're trends, you know? So um, I, I also like to stay a little bit timeless and classic when it comes to designing, just so that, it is timeless and you don't get tired of it in five years. Yeah. Right. So do you, are you a fan of the wallpaper? <laughs> uh, I, I, to me, wallpaper is timeless. Yeah, it, me too. Absolutely. I don't, I think there's always a place and um, for anyone's home or any corporate building or retail building for wallpaper, for sure. Yeah. So I, as Lauren mentioned, I sell residential real estate and, you know, sometimes I feel like I have to wear a hat of (laughs) uh, a stager or designer, even though that's not my specialty, but I also partner with stagers and interior designers here in Nashville where I live. Is that something you do? Do you partner with realtors because, you know, homes sell uh, faster and for more, you know, yes. yep. staging. So, so I have been actually, that's funny that you asked because someone has recently reached out to me and asked me if I would a realtor. So it's definitely something I'm interested in and I'm thinking about doing because I think it would be really fun. And I've never staged done the staging side of it, but I, I guess I did it for my own home, but right. other, no one else's. So I would love, yes, I've never done it, but I'd, I'm in the talks about doing it right now, actually, which is funny. That's oh, cool. that's so awesome. Yeah. I honestly recommend it because the, we, we need more stagers here in Nashville. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Good to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's always looking, who has a good stager? So it's, <laughs> like it's a really good aspect of your that career. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it does make such a difference. And I feel like you do have to have such a special eye to be able to go into a space and use what they have versus kind of being able to buy new. Absolutely. Well, a lot of stagers will also just buy for ha- mm-hmm. furniture that they buy and keep it in a warehouse and use their materials. Their stock. Yeah. yeah. So that's smart too. But being able to use that really does take a special eye. And usually I always try to bring in the professional because I'm always not the best. <laughs> I, you know what I use if I can't, if the client doesn't have a budget for a stager or um, interior designer, I always use like to know it to Yes, there you uh, go. It's been a lifesaver for me at least. That's great. Uh, I never even thought about that, but yeah, that's great. 
And I yeah. feel like Kristen, you've decorated your own house. I feel like straight from like to know it, haven't you? Yeah, I think from uh, and also being in real estate now for six years, you you know I'm around it all the time. So yeah. I did furnish, yeah, with like to know it. Kind it kind of became my Pinterest, I guess. Uh, page and you know I just use that to furnish my entire house. So yeah, I love that's that. awesome. I love that too, Katie. Let's take a step back a little bit and just okay. I'd love for you to talk about, in your opinion, anyway, the benefits of going to school for design versus being self-taught. Oh yes, absolutely. So I would. This is so funny because it's such a sub a controversial subject in the design world because. So many people go to school for this and work really hard to get a degree and a license and they maybe have an opinion on people who don't and are still very successful. And I, I feel like there's room for everybody. And the only thing I would say is if you don't have a degree, if you're, you know, starting on starting later in life, I would say the only thing that any designer who doesn't have a degree will need is some kind of space planning training. So like go to school, go to technical school and learn AutoCAD. It is the number one thing that I think every designer needs to know. Other than that, I don't, I mean, there's definitely benefits for going to college and learning. Like you learn so much about, okay, the principles and elements of design. You learn about space planning, you learn about building codes, you learn about the safety of the end user and there's just, there's a lot that goes into it that you wouldn't think about. Like just decorating a pretty room, you know, so that you do learn a lot of valuable information. On the other hand, if you're a good designer and you're creative and you can make a space look beautiful, there's nothing to say that just because you didn't go to school, you can't do it and can't be successful because there's millions of designers out there that are so successful at it and they didn't go to school. So I think that it's definitely a benefit to go to school and learn the basics Mm -hmm. and the principles, but I also don't think that that should hold anybody back from doing what they really want to do. Right. I love that. Good. And if you can, so as you started interior girl Mm -hmm. and because we are continuing, this is our entrepreneur series and we just love being able to highlight everyday uh, entrepreneurs like yourself who have really so much experience and wisdom that we can all learn from. And so as you were starting your business, let's kind of step aside to that side of things. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind of any challenges or things that you did and they worked out really well in your favor, really with any aspect of the business? So whether it's, you know, the accounting accounting side, like you mentioned earlier, or just learning how to price or or really anything, just... uh, so it's, yes, absolutely. I feel like the last year and a half of doing this on my own, I've learned so much because before I was just doing e-design. So I really didn't have to do much other than, you know, send a flat fee, give them my e-design package and we were done. Mm-hmm. And since I ventured out more into like the full service part of the design and there's more business, there's just a lot of business aspects that go into that. I, I got a... Um, tax ID. And I started purchasing things for clients. And I did not realize that you have to claim your taxes quarterly when you do that. So I 
missed several claiming periods and um, that kind of bit me in the butt. So that was, you know, just a hard learning experience. I got charged several, you know, yeah. multiple fees because I was behind. Um, oh, I could have told you that. <laughs> I, anybody could have told me that. I just, you know, sometimes I just go through the motions and like, I'm like, okay, I'm in such a rush. Like I, I just, I just start doing and yeah. think I've done enough research, but there's so much, there's always more research that you can do. And there's oh, yeah. so much a, to learn. You're not alone. No, there. you're not alone. Literally <laughs> yeah. every new agent, they don't like, I would say over 50% learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah. So, <laughs> so just little things like that. And then also, again, I, I'm still trying to learn my pricing structure and what's just like, what's the happy medium for the client and also for me to turn a profit and make all of this worth it. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, that has been the biggest challenge because I have a really hard time. I really want to make, I really want to give the client what they want. And sometimes I've found myself sacrificing money for that. And that's, you know, that doesn't make anybody happy. So yeah. I need to just learn. I just want to come up with the, the perfect formula. So I am, I have, I'm, I have something I'm kind of cooking up that I think it's going to be like the perfect formula, but um, I'm still working on it. Yeah. Well, what you do adds just so much value in so many ways and the amount of stress you take off people's shoulders because there are so many people I know that despise yeah (laughs) decorating so you know for those people who have families they just don't have the time that just brings so much value to them and so I just love what you do and honestly I uh admire it so well thank you so much (laughs) I appreciate that yeah and the fact that you're you know you like you said this is your side hustle and, but you, you obviously, you know, it's a passion of yours. And and you also, we didn't even talk about you're married with two little boys, right? Yes, I am (laughs) quickly growing little boys. My goodness. They grow so fast. Oh, I know they do. So, and then on top of your full-time job. So of course you want it to be a win-win Exactly, but, but at the same time, you have to make it worth your time because time is, you know, pri- priceless. Yeah, time is money, and <laughs> and that's funny that you say that because in the beginning, I would, I would charge less because I was like, well, it's a part time. I'm doing it on the side. I'm not giving it, you know, it's not my full time job. So I feel like I can't value myself um, higher because it is something I'm doing part time, which was so silly because it's my spare time. It's my you know, quality time Mm -hmm. with my kids that I'm giving up to do this. So why am I not charging what I need to know my value, you know, and I need to charge what I'm worth. And so I have, you know, I learned that lesson the hard way, but that is something that I learned and I'm happy that I learned it. And so I am now charging, you know, what I'm worth. Yeah, I think think that's so good for like listeners to hear who are, you know, starting out on a new side hustle or business because it's like, like, oh my gosh, you know, I've just started this. I can't really try. But no, it's like you have a lot of knowledge, um, a lot of value that you're bringing to people and you need to charge for that. So exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to, what came to my mind too, Kristen, is just that I think your feelings and actions are so relatable and we shouldn't, um, like you said, we should value our knowledge and experience and it is worth something. So, so I'm glad that you figured that out. And (laughs) (laughs) is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners that we haven't gotten to cover just yet when it comes to design or any tips and tricks that maybe we can 
put in our pocket for the next room that we're going to design ourselves? Um, I feel like, I guess tips and trips. I just want everyone to know that like, there's no magic key to success when it comes to design. There's no real rules, you know? So I, I, I want people to be able to know that they can express themselves in their homes. Like, I guess a good rule of thumb just to help you create a space on your own would be to keep things neutral, like big pieces Mm -hmm. and bring in pops of color and fun with like the smaller accessories that is going, you can always change those accessories seasonally as you get tired, but keep those statement pieces, the sofas, the chairs, you know, keep those neutral and then you can swap out your accessories as needed and that will save you money in the long run because you're just changing the small pieces out. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I don't want someone, if they love an item, but they, you know, someone tells them, oh, but that's, you know, outdated or doesn't fit in the space. If you love an item, you love an item, put it in the space. There's no right or wrong. Like just right. keep it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And totally. I think this just popped in my head, but so how, how do you approach a client like me where, and especially these days, I feel like with social media where you're seeing all different types, I feel like I am drawn to and really, really like so many different and diverse types yeah. of style. <laughs> yeah. And so it's really hard for me to make decisions. I feel like, because I do like so many different looks. Yeah. And I know you can make, like, I, I do like a little bit of mix match and all of that, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to just see the full picture. <laughs> I, well, I always say like, even the a simple thing was just like grab pictures of items that you like and throw them on a PowerPoint and just look at them together all in one like collage, you know, and that's going to give you, you know, a small, in a small way, let you see how it's going to feel in a space. But I just, my again, my philosophy is if you love something, put it in a room because that's what makes a room unique and tell the story is because you put thought into it or it has like history or you just really like it. And so there's not every room has to be Pinterest worthy. You know, you just have to feel good in it and right. love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and that's one reason I could never be an interior designer because I'm so picky with my style and like people, you know, people are so different. So Mm -hmm. like clients would like come to me and I'd be like, oh my God, or like (laughs) I'd wear it on my face, I'm sure. So I could not do what you do. (laughs) And you know, but I feel like most clients will come to designers because they do like their style of the designer. And so they're... I don't think most designers have to go and do something that they absolutely hate because clients are seeking you out because of the way that you design and the look that you have. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, is that how most clients find you through, is it through social media or more word of mouth? Yeah. Honestly, I've gotten so many clients on Instagram. It's insane. I can't, that tool is amazing. And I never would have thought, but yes, almost all of my clients have come from Instagram and a lot of them, it's just been like, Oh, I was, I was on Instagram searching like South Lake designers and you popped up because I hashtag South Lake Texas design or something. And that is how I've gotten almost all of my clients. And then also again, word of mouth, but like any new clients, you know, that mm-hmm. I didn't have a friend of a friend or a, cl- a referral from a client. It's all been Instagram. That's great. Yeah. And speaking of that, if there's any listeners that are maybe they're in the process of redecorating or wanting to decorate and they have a challenging room or something. 
is there, how would they reach out to you or how could you help them? Well, the best place, I mean, you can always reach me on Instagram, but the best place would be through my website at www.interior-girl.com. And um, you can fill out a form or a contact me, just go to contact me and fill out a little form and send me an email. Cool. And what's your Instagram? It's interior girl official. Okay, cool. And And Facebook. you do, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and Facebook is interior girl. Oh, perfect. And do you do just like a room or are you more just taking clients that are doing like an entire project? No, I'll do one room. Absolutely. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. This has been so great. And I love talking about interior design. (laughs) Okay. I love it too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as every episode, we like to leave our challengers and ourselves with a challenge. So we were Uh going to see if you might have one for us. I do. I actually have two challenges for y'all. One is kind of small and I guess they're kind of both small, but one's just a simple thing that you can do you know, we're all working from home these days. And uh, if you're anything like me, my husband hits so funny. He's like, I don't like you working from home because you don't know when to turn it off. You don't know when to stop because you're, it's just always there. And he was, and I was like, yeah, I guess I get that. So a trick that I've been doing is, you know, when it's time to go home for the day, I just light a candle and it just changes the mood. Like now I'm, I'm not at work anymore. Now I'm at home and that, I don't know what it is, but it's that scent. So I just want to challenge all of you, whether it's a candle, I I mean, I would start with a candle, but something that just lets you know, like, okay, the workday is over and now you're home. So be home and disconnect. Light that candle. What's your favorite scent? Oh my gosh. I love, what is it called? Why why can't I tell you all this right now? Uh, Is it Volcano? Yes. That's it. (laughs) Everybody's favorite scent. The the Capri Volcano? Yes, that's it. (laughs) I love that scent so much. But right now um, we are burning Christmas scents because, you know, obviously Christmas. It smells like a Christmas tree. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Well, that's a great one. I love it. And what's the second one? Okay. The second one is make your bed every day. Every, so this will be a for a week. So make your bed every morning when you wake up for a week and it hopefully will become a habit, but it's, and it, it was, you know, better when you were away and working out of the house. But when you come home or when it's time for bed and that bed is made, it just brings a sense of relaxation to you that you don't realize because it's like you're in a hotel, you know, like when you go to a hotel and it, the bed is made for you, it's just a sense of calm. So if you do that at your own home every day, you practice that, it just relieves a little bit of stress that you didn't realize that you were carrying. I love that. Calling me out. Right <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> That's awesome. You're hot. Well, thanks again, Katie, for taking time to spend with us. And listeners, I know that you hopefully enjoyed this episode as much as we did and, yeah. and will join us in our challenges. Um And we just appreciate all of you listeners for tuning in another week. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Wonderful. Bye, ladies. Bye.